You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Helen Farmer with you for Farmer's Kitchen brought to you by Spinneys. And my goodness, it was a proper foodie festival on today's episode. Kicking off with the newest addition to Thai Mount Market, A Taste of Thailand. We were bringing together Emirati, Australian and Italian flavours in Ras Al Khaimah with the team from an incredible restaurant based in remote Australia. How does it work and how did it start? We had Supper Club OG, Chef Gabriella of Girl and the Goose, talking about how she's gone from cabin crew to queen of the scene and what's been happening behind the scenes in her legendary supper clubs. And if you fancy going to the desert dunes or into the city, a woman in the know to help you get the best feed around. And it was King of the Grill himself. Fred Casagrande of Smoking Beards, who was guiding us through how to grill at home and, of course, his top tips for becoming an absolute champ. Prepare to feel inspired to fire up those coals. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're giving you some ideas about where to go and, crucially, what to eat this weekend. We are celebrating a new addition to Time Out Market. And joining us from Time Out Market is Clementine Kosh. We're going to be hearing what's new in a minute. But first, let's talk about the history of Time Out Market historically. Um, Where where and when did it start in the world, Clementine? Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm hungry (laughs) already. It all started in Lisbon in 2014. So the market is basically what reflects what is reflected in the magazine. So it's all about the media, first of all. And uh, we wanted to just bring in the real life what the magazine is bringing in each city. So that's how it started. And then we expanded to North America and Dubai. And we just opened last November in Cape Town. So we are we are expanding and you can feel the concept is. And I think what's nice is, for me, so <laughs> when I have guests in town, it's that idea of going somewhere and being able to say, this is the Dubai food scene in one experience. And I mean, it's obviously very convenient that you can pick and choose, but it's all homegrown and I think super eclectic. So how many spots do you have in Time Out Market Dubai? How many available areas? We have 17 kitchen and yes, the concept is to highlight the homegrown restaurants and our local chefs uh, in each city and whoever is coming to Dubai, but also to Cape Town, we just have a very nice view, overview of the food scene. You have a nice view as well of the Burj Khalifa. Yes. (laughs) Um, So in terms of the cuisines that are are represented, when we're talking about Dubai food scene, we're not just saying, you know, come to the Middle East and eat Middle Eastern food because Dubai is so, so diverse. What's represented now in terms of cultures and cuisines? Honestly, everything or almost, um, yeah, we have a lot of different Asian foods. So um, the recent one that we're going to talk about in a minute, Thai, and then also Indian. But you have also the food lovers will be able to go to Matar, uh, burgers, pizza, uh, South America, but we have also a beautiful dessert counter um, and coffee. So it really is everything in one. And we bring the best of the city on the run roof. That's our... Um, that's the goal. Yeah. Well, you're smashing it. I have to say, it's always incredibly busy. And I think at this time of year, when you can open those doors out to the terrace, it's just gorgeous. Clementine uh, with us from Time Out Market. And we've got the new additions in the house. Welcome to the studio and welcome to Time Out Market. We have got Chef New and Lisa from Cafe Hassan. How are you both? 
We are great. Thank you. Excited. Super excited. I'm so thrilled for you guys. I honestly am because I think you are such a fantastic example of this homegrown success story, really. But would you mind telling us where it started, Lisa? What's the origin story? Uh, The origin story goes back to 15, 16 years ago when uh, Chef New here moved to Dubai. And she asked, you know, where can I go and get Thai food? So I made my, you know, suggestions at the time. And she said, no, no, no. You know, I'm from Isan. I need... Oh, dear. Isan food. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't any Chef, it wasn't good time. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she started cooking for herself, learning a bit from YouTube, calling mum, calling auntie, first for herself. And you can tell the rest tell, maybe yeah. about how you made friends and then what happened and... Tell us a little bit about arriving in Dubai. What were your impressions <laughs> of the food scene, Chef? Uh, <laughs> don't worry, you don't. You, you can be honest. Yeah, when I moved to Dubai, I not find anything, you know, like Isan food. So I just uh, learned how to cook, you know, from my mom, and then I look some in the YouTube, like she said, and yeah. Did you feel so, ho- Did you feel homesick when you couldn't find the food that you wanted? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's that connection, isn't it? Yeah. That idea of like feeling like you've got this thread of love mm-hmm. and, and truth going back to where yeah. you're from. And if you can't find it, then you're yeah. going to have to make it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I have to make myself first. And then after, you know, my I got some friends. So they just, oh, can you cook for me? You know, more I, popular and yeah. more popular. And then after, oh, my God, turn. Then you got I'll, bricks and mortar. <laughs> Tell us about the, about the decision to open and open a restaurant then. Well, yeah, so after New was doing that for a number of years and it was getting busier and busier and our apartment was like a catering centre, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it was time to think about opening an actual restaurant. So we had no idea, of course, and, but we just believed in the food, the impact that it was having and the feedback that we were getting. So we just said, let's have a go. And that's what we did from from the beginning. We had a go. We built the very first restaurant was something we actually built ourselves. You know, it was like a full fit out and it took a year and it was a lot of hard work and an effort. But eventually we opened it and the restaurant from the beginning was received really, really well. Well, we're going to find out what happened next. I mean, spoiler alert, <laughs> they're in Time Out Market. We've got <laughs> Chef New and Lisa with us from Cafe Hassan and Clementine from Time Out. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. What started with feeling homesick and some YouTube tutorials has grown to three branches of Café San, And we're delighted to be joined now by founders Lisa and Chef New, plus Clementine Kosh joining us from Time Out Market, where they have their latest outlet. Lisa, could you have imagined when you, when you launched that you'd be having a chat with me being like, oh, we've just opened our third branch. What did success look like when you opened your doors first time? <laughs> Success in those days was just being able to pay our basic bills, yeah. <laughs> to be frank. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough industry. We see a lot of restaurants open and a lot of restaurants close in Dubai. We do. Absolutely. And we were acutely aware of that. And uh, for me, it was, is this just a risk? You know, is this a step too far? Is this too risky? But we refused to give up. You're now, we just said off air, Friday night, packed at JLT, which is a licensed venue. You've got JVC and now Time Out Market. Um, I want to talk food. I had a really average lunch, Chef knew I had a, bo- <laughs> a bowl of soup. So I'm worried that there's going to be audible 
tummy rumbling on the radio. <laughs> what are some of the dishes that people order again and again? And maybe the dishes that you're almost proud of, of on the menus. Okay. Uh, they got uh, so many dishes. So the most popular one will be the Tom Yam Pad Thai, uh, Spring Rolls. Oh, so many. So many. Yeah. Right. The Tom Yam is incredible. It's yeah. very tradition, traditionally made. Maybe, mm. maybe Chef can uh, tell everybody about that a little bit. Come on. Yeah. How do you make it? I mean, I'm never going to make it because you're going to make it better. But what, what's the secret sauce? How do you make it so good? Yeah, the secret one for me that in the Tom Yam paste, I'm making everything myself. So I put, you know, the... Uh, for some people, they're using a prawn, you know, the leftover, the head. Mm-hmm. So I use the fat inside, you know, to make the paste. Wow, so properly from scratch. We've got a message yeah. here from Tara saying, please say hi to Lisa and you from me. I've been coming to the restaurant since I lived in JLT years ago with my dog, Cooper. Oh, no. Love their oh. Thai green curry. That's from Tara and Cooper. Hey, Tara! Oh. <laughs> this, but I mean, that's the thing about JLT. Is, I mean, you've got people that work there, but you've got people live there. And I think that's why it's become such an important part of Dubai's food scene. Um, Clementine, I wanted to ask you about... We, obviously, there's big hits on the menu there. As a requirement from Time Out Market, do you hope that restaurants will bring something new or do you have any kind of criteria, I guess, when it comes to curating that menu? Um, we can, yeah, we can ask and we always love to have exclusive dishes because it means our guests that are reaching the market can experience each restaurant in a different way than their mm-hmm. regular venues. It's not a bl- an obligation, but that's always very cool to have this. And we have it with the Cafe San. We discussed uh, the menu earlier uh, at the early stage and we're very proud of it. And I think it really reflects their authenticity. So that's, that's amazing. It's the ethos. What do you, if we're going to come in this weekend... What? Okay, here you go. Lisa, put together a meal for me. If I come in this weekend, what, what, what should I have? Okay, you're going to start with the Massaman curry rice balls in Thai known as Kaltard. This is completely uh, unique. This is our Massaman flavour that Chef uh, designed. Then you're going to have the Tom Yum noodle soup with yes, shrimp. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any space, you should also try our yellow curry stir fry which is southern, southern Thai influences, which is completely exclusive to the market. So you won't get that anywhere else. And I think... Do we have any desserts? Do you have any room for mango sticky rice? I've got my stretch shoes clothes on. Yeah, I can... <laughs> I can then desserts a whole separate stomach. So yeah, I think we can manage. So it's mango sticky rice. Yeah. Amazing. Last question to you, Chef. How proud are your family? What, how, have your family tried any of your dishes? And what do you think their reaction is to think that you've come here and created a Thai food empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of them so proud. You know, really happy. Oh, I'm yeah. so, oh, going to make me cry. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thank you so, so much. Um, it's really wonderful to hear how it's just grown and grown. Oh, my God. Clementine's crying no, in the I'm studio. It is. It's beautiful, though, isn't it? It's yeah. just like proper success. Mum is here now, too, isn't she? Is she? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay, we'll get her in the kitchen. Guys, <laughs> thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, as we said, there's the original two branches, JLT, JVC, and now at Time Out Market. If you want details, send me the word Thai. I will send you the links. You can check out the menu and feel as hungry as I am in the studio this afternoon. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. 
I'm not sure we've ever had a conversation around Australian Emirati food, and that's what we're going to be having very soon indeed, talking about how these flavours are coming together in Ras Al Khaimah. So do stay with us. We're going to be catching up with the team there. Um, Plus, we, of course, got competitions galore all the way through the afternoon. So here's what I want to know from you. And this is because I was in Spinney's this morning and I saw the cutest little dots walking around in their high-vis vests having a field trip to the supermarket. And I put on my Instagram the most unusual field trip you'd been on at school. The answers were hilarious, from the local job centre to the post office, a ball bearings factory, a distillery a prison. Um, so that's what I want to know from you. Your most memorable field trip on 4001. You can use your ARN Play app, of course, and you've got the WhatsApp too. Some of you were so lucky um, going to Bologna on a large ho- hovercraft. There were stormy seas. <laughs> um, Richard, I think we would have been friends at school. 14-year-old to London, Natural History Museum. We absconded, got the tube to Soho. <laughs> Got, the, got back to the museum just in time to get registered and get on that school bus home. Yeah, we totally would have been hanging out. How does Santosa sound? Yes, please. Um, and with the Alps as well. Let me know your most memorable school trip to win 500 dirhams to spend in spinnies. We're catching up now with one half of the husband and wife team of Antica Australis. We've got Paolo and Kelly in the UAE, in Rack and Kelly joining us live now from Rasselkema. How are you, Kelly? I'm good, thank you, Helen. Thank you so much for making time. I know how busy you are. I want to hear a little bit about where you're from, where you're based and what's going on, because your restaurant is in a really historic village in very remote and regional Australia, but it's been named one of the top 10 restaurants worth travelling for. It's known as the Italian restaurant that gave a tiny village back its soul. And you're here in the UAE mm. for a specially curated menu using produce from the Royal Farms in Ras Al Khaimah. Paolo's in the kitchen, I understand. How is he? He's, he's um, cracking cracking down, very busy. Good man. I, I didn't, dare, didn't dare disturb him. <laughs> um, I, love a lo- I love a love story. Kelly, and I wanted to hear how you two met. Can you tell us? Um, We actually met in Abu Dhabi 10 years ago. Um, We were both living and working there, not in hospitality. Paolo was a steel construction engineer and I worked in tourism. Um, When our contracts came up, we decided uh, where should we go next, Italy or Australia? Uh, And Paolo was busting to go to Australia, so there we went. With total respect, given the credentials of the restaurant, how did he go from steel worker to becoming one of the most renowned chefs in the country? What was that journey like? Um, it's been amazing to see Helen. Honestly, this is someone really bringing their passion to life. Um, this is what he's always wanted to do with his life. Wow. Didn't want to be a steel construction engineer, but he was very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um and then the opportunity when we emigrated to Australia, he thought, look, if I'm going to go to the other side of the world... I want to follow my passion. I want to do what I've always wanted to do. Um, and he actually told me on our first date in Abu Dhabi about his dream, um, and it was to open a restaurant, not a restaurant. What does that mean? Those are his exact words. Yeah. Um, so this is what we've been explaining to all of our guests at Antico Australis for the last four years. This is not a restaurant. Um, Paolo's vision was to um, run a dining experience in the spirit of a regional Italian Lacanda, he is from a, a hidden region within central Italy. 
It's called Shosharia. It's just an hour south of Rome, but pretty unheard of. Uh, it wasn't included on any maps for about 3,000 years because the ancient Romans had wiped it off. Um, yeah, so it has thousands, thousands, thousands of years of, um, of heritage. Uh, he's actually descended from two of the original tribes of the Samnite civilization, who were the civilization before the Romans. Um, so they have a culinary tradition dating back thousands of years. Paolo's actually using, using really ancient Shosharian cooking techniques. He thought it would be great fun to go to the other side of the world, um, turn up in the middle of the countryside, source local produce, uh, and really introduce people to the concept of eating locally, eating in season, um, and eating what you're given. So we have a set menu, um, and you're not allowed to ask for anything else. <laughs> Is he quite strict? Yes. Oh, I quite like that. I like the I like the intensity and the uh, the, the the purity of it all. Um, you're really well known, as you said there, about seasonality and and produce. And you're here in Rasalkema mm. using some local organic produce and also some Australian native ingredients. How on earth are you blending Italy and some Australia and some Emirati? What what kind of challenge has that been like for you to get your heads around it? Oh, we came up with it. We were just in the kitchen um, and it just it just happens naturally. Um, Paolo's cooking is really influenced from the environment he's in. Um, and so he's taking inspiration from from multiple things. Uh, and it was it, it's just alchemy mm-hmm. that they all blended together. So um, yeah, we're using uh, Australian native mountain pepperberry for a really ancient dish, cashew pepper, the cheese and pepper pasta um, that Rome thinks it's famous for. But it's actually the shepherds from Paolo's region who came up with it a couple of thousand years ago. Nice. Yes. Claim um, it. And then we've thrown, yeah, throwing in Australian native mountain pepperberry gives it a completely different flavour of zing. So um, that, it's heaps of fun. What else is on the menu? And we should say, if people want to get involved in this, they're going to have to be fast. You're only in town for a limited amount of, uh, of time. What else? Can you make us a little bit hungry? Would that be okay? What else is on the menu, Kelly? Hal has come up with a special dessert for Razzle Kamar Art Festival. Um, in Spool, it, we've been really inspired um, by the, the local souk. We went down there and went a bit crazy, um, sourcing amazing produce and products down there. Uh, it's a vanilla-infused panna cotta with crushed pistachio, mango coolie, uh, white chocolate, and vanilla cotton candy. Wow. That sounds yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, you're also going to be cooking for some royalty um, over the weekend. You are here, as you said, as part of the Ras Al Khaimah Art 2024 Festival. Um, is it too late to get to get in on your, your set courses or are you all sold out? All of our Saturday nights, we're only presenting for the next three weekends and all the Saturday nights have gone. Uh, but we're also doing Saturday lunch and Sunday lunch. So um, for the next a couple of weekends if you just visit the festival website rackart.ae um, and, and book your tickets in advance secure for your place we've only got limited CT we can only seat 25 and then if you miss this weekend these next few weekends the next option is to book a flight and come and see you in your natural habitat yeah you can see us in Karkor, <laughs> little crazy village in the middle of nowhere is it really remote 
Uh, it's 15 minutes to the next village and 45 minutes to the next big town, three and a half hours from Sydney. Wow, gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing, well, your love story, the origin story um, of the restaurant and, of course, everything you've got in store here. If you want to send me rack to 4001 i will send you the link so you can find out more about the menu that kelly and paolo are putting together they are the team from antica australis um in russell for a limited time only wonderful to have you in the uae enjoy the shopping the cooking the people the produce um and it's such a pleasure to catch up give us best to chef as well sounds like he's working very hard indeed you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 with spinnies eat well live well She's a bit of a darling of the Dubai scene, and I'm very, very happy to be joined by Chef Gabriella now, a Nicaraguan chef known for her supper club. I'd say one of the OGs, and my goodness, how it has gone from strength to strength. Chef, first of all, thank you for being here. Second of all, thank you for the snacks. What did you bring today? First of all, thank you so much, and hola, everybody. Hola. And today what I brought you, it's a little snack. It's called pastelitos. And it's a very traditional dish that we have. It's in a childhood dish. And the difference between a pastelito and an empanada is the empanada is a half moon. And the pastelito is a full one. So delicious. What was inside? Inside, it was filled with a very traditional Nicaraguan stuffing that we only eat it for Christmas. Oh. But the twist to it is the is the um, is the sauce, the fresh salsa verde on the side that just add a little bit of a spicy kick to it. Is this something you serve at the supper club, or was it just for us at Farmer's Kitchen? It was only today oh, for Farmer's Kitchen. Thank you so much. Um, let's go. Let's go back to the beginning. As I said, you were you know, from Nicaragua, being in Dubai, and but you didn't come here to work in food. What what brought you to Dubai? Well, first of all. I believe that my first uh, expression of love and expression of, uh, of food was with my grandmother. I grew up with her until I was eight years old. So it was natural for me to spend time with her in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. She was a cook herself. And that's what I wanted to be, a chef. But, you know, life always takes you through different paths. And I found myself in my 20s being independent and taking the bold decision to move to Dubai with only $200 in my pocket. Oh, gosh. And this is when I started working for an airline in here. So, so you came here as crew? I, absolutely. Oh. I worked for Emirates for 13 years. Serving, I, serving food, not cooking food? No, <laughs> serving food on the aircraft, you know, making sure that everybody had a good experience and also, of course, looking after the well-being of the crew. And being with Emirates allowed me to travel the world and do and explore one of the things that I love the most, which was food. So I will spend my time, you know, like just walking through the streets and basically trying new dishes, signing for cooking classes to learn their techniques. But the point where I really feel that it was that moment that I say, this is what I want to, Mm -hmm. it was when I started exchanging food for bed in Southeast Asia. So I will work with the hawkers uh, during the night. I will learn their techniques. And in exchange, I will do my work for free. So going to the hawker stalls, learning about what they were cooking, and then it's like a, it's like the, the, like a barter system. Absolutely. And those, those travels actually are the inspiration for my dishes now because the, my dishes are fused with that international tweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when we, when we think about travel... You know, you go and you see beautiful things in the shopping. But for so many people, the memories are in the food. It's like, do you remember that great dish we had in, in here or 
looking around the table and eating something amazing and seeing people that you love or people you've just met. And that idea, I love that kind of exchange of ideas um, being just so integral to, to your journey in this. And then it's one thing to be thinking, OK, I would like to maybe be a chef and start something. How did you have that parallel life for a while of being, you know, crew, but also starting to build a supper club and one that's become one of the most successful in the city? Well, I, I, you know, I will find myself cooking for my husband, friends, 20, 25 people. And all of them, they were actually praising the food and they were like, oh, I think you should do something else, you know. But, you know, self-doubt, I wasn't sure. And one day, a friend, a dear friend, Jill, she actually gave me the push that I needed. And I started hosting my first table. And that was back in August 2019. And it was with her colleagues. And from that moment, I knew I wanted more. Were you nervous? Absolutely. I was nervous. But you know what? Because when you are in that, first of all, I didn't know that there were other supper clubs going around. Second, I didn't know if people were going to like my food. I mean, how many times have you had food from Nicaragua? Very rarely. Well, I think it was just in the green room about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm exactly. So I didn't know if people were going to come either. Where do I find people to go? There were so many challenges, so many questions going on in my head. And, you know, the best ways is just to start. Mm-hmm. And that night when I opened my home, I think it's one of the most beautiful things that I have done. And it's because of the community that I've been able to build. Mm-hmm. And that also pushed me. Um, to actually take the decision to take this dream, this passion into a more formal way. So I decided to go to the Culinary Institute of Barcelona to get a specialization. And along with that, with the consistent um, approach of hosting tables, that helped me to grow the supper club, grow the community, and end up collaborating with beautiful brands like Boca, Fairmont, De Palm, and World of Astoria. Well, we're going to be talking about what happened next. Growing the Supper Club, what does Chef Gabriella from Girl in the Goose wish she knew four years ago? And maybe what's next as well. If you want to give a shout out to a Supper Club that you've enjoyed or maybe you've got questions about how it works. You know, for, for, it is a, it's an interesting concept from, from a dining point of view that some people get into the habit of going to as many as they can. And for others, it's a completely... Oh, I don't know what that would involve. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Chef Gabriella is in the studio from her legendary supper club, Girl and the Goose. And we've had a message from Eugenie saying, tell us about the name. Why didn't I even think to ask you that? Where did the name come from? When I started, before I started the supper club, I wanted to have a name that represents me and represents what I do. But I was confused. I didn't know how to call it. And back home, my dad is a coffee and a cacao bean producer. And in one of the plantations, he has goose. They, he used the goose as a geese, sorry, geese as a security guard. Stop it. No, they're evil. Vicious. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't want to encounter one. So I was sleeping there in the hut and I was having this dream that a goose was chasing me to bite me. And I woke up so distressed. And you have to understand that I come from a culture that was very superstitious. So I went to the biggest library on earth, Google, mm-hmm. and I searched. I found three things, and I'm going to try to summarize it. The first one is that the goose is associated with the long migratory journeys. And that's how I see myself. I migrated all the way from Nicaragua to Dubai. Second one is a totem for discipline and perseverance. And it's exactly what I've been doing for the last four years. And the last one is related to the pharaohs, 
because they used to believe that a deity will take the form of a Nile goose. And every morning it will lay an egg and from that egg it will hatch the sun. And that represented hope. I've just got goosebumps in the studio, <laughs> Chef. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Eugenie. What a great question. Thank you so, so much. Can we talk about food? Absolutely. Um, what are some of the, I don't want to say signature dishes, but I guess flavour profiles, key ingredients of Nicaraguan cuisine that you feel like you need to understand to really get the food? First of all, I think what we need to understand that the food from Nicaragua and Central America in general, it is the perfect marriage. It's the marriage where two civilizations, they reconciliate, the Spaniards and the indigenous. So in that food, you will find a lot of staples vegetables like the bean, the corn and the squash. But also, we're so grateful to have both oceans, Pacific and Atlantic. So naturally, there will be a lot of fresh seafood in there. Our food also has a, a lot of meat as well that was brought by the Spaniards. But what I've been doing at the Sopeclo, which is my mission, is to elevate those timeless and traditional recipes and bring them into a modern way, but also an international one. Can you give us a flavor of that, literally? What, so what's on the menu? Are you cooking tonight? I am, exactly. I am indeed. Can you tell us what's on the menu? Absolutely. Okay. The first one that I think it has been an inspiration for me, and um, the first time I tried a pani puri, it was actually thanks to Chef Himansho and Trison Studio, and I fell in love with that. But I also, but I fell in love with that because he is able to to build magical moments through simplicity, and I wanted to replicate that, but in my own version. Mm -hmm. So I have a guacamole pani puri. That at the bottom of it, it's filled with a ponzu cream, followed by the guacamole. Our guacamole is a little bit more into the sour side and also has egg, boiled egg. The difference is that I take the egg yolk, I cure it for a couple of days, and then I grate it just to add some umami. And it's topped with some caramelized onions with a non-refined sugar and a little bit of malangueta pepper. This is in one bite. This is in one bite. Sounds perfect. But for me, what I'm so proud is taking the traditional ceviches from our region and giving them a twist. Mm -hmm. And right now, there is one that absolutely you have to try it. It is inspired in Guatemala. The sauce is called pipián verde, and it's made with a special chili that only grows in the Cobán region, but it also has roasted pumpkin in there. But the magic is coming now. What? It's paired with a lychee sorbet. Oh, yummy. How many courses do you typically have? Typically, you can come for a five-course menu or an eight-course menu, depending on the experience. And every course It's not only about the food and the ingredients, but it's also about the stories. Mm -hmm. And it's about connecting with the community, creating that space. Because I think you you obviously speak so beautifully and passionately about, you know, the origins of the food and, and as you say, elevating it. Do do you feel like people come and they leave with more than just a full tummy? You know, maybe leave with some friends would be great, but also a knowledge and and insight. Is, Is the education part important to you as well as the feeding? For me, it's very important for them, more than educating them, for me is for just to place my Central American flavors, my Nicaraguan flavors somewhere in the culinary map. That's the first part. And then when they come, I don't want to educate you. I just want to share my story, share my food. And that's a 
And in the process, you get to enjoy a beautiful evening in an intimate space. And you know when I know that the night has been very successful? When people that came as strangers, they leave as a long-time friend, exchanging numbers, numbers going nice. to dinners, and that's a successful one. So that mark of success, you know, that first one was just getting through it without the nerves becoming too much. And now how often are you hosting supper clubs? And you mentioned collaborations before as well. Could you have imagined four years ago where you'd be now? Four years ago? It's a funny question because I am someone that reflects a lot in the things that I do and how I do them. And four years ago, I was struggling to have one follower on Instagram. I was, it was only my mom and my husband, you know. And now seeing how the community actually express their love, mm-hmm. you know, this has been super amazing. And, and I think the, that, that was the hardest part, um, like starting. Yeah, building. Building. But you know, I think what, what has changed a lot in Dubai and certainly the time I've been here is this idea of a community of chefs. There used to be a lot more competition and a lot more, you know, secrecy around suppliers and da da da. And I was out last night, uh, the Rickass group had a, a celebration for their two new restaurants in the Kempinski and they'd invited, you know, Omar from Boko was there, for example, um, you know, just chefs from all across different cuisines, different restaurants. And I just thought you would never have had that 10 years ago. It was much more snooty, I guess. And now I feel like, I mean, you're giving shouts out to Tresen Studio and it feels much more inclusive and warm. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense, but I wouldn't know, to be honest, because 10 years ago I wasn't mm-hmm. hosting. And I've been fortunate that since the moment I started hosting, and now I host four times a week wow. in, in, in average. Most of them like either are private or from the split up. And 10 years ago, I wasn't hosting. I wasn't thinking about this. So when I started, the the support that I have gotten from people in, in the chef community has been impressive. Not only from uh, from Chef Himanshu, but also from Chef Gaguar, from Oceano, you know, has been someone that if you need any anything, ask, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently last year, I became part of Dubai Chef Collective as well from James Nike Pacheco. Such a great initiative. Uh, and absolutely, you know, you, you are in that group and you post, hey, chef, I need this. And they are there to support you. And I have not, I, I don't remember one time that I did not get love from other chefs in I mean, the community. You give it, but you give it back. You know, I think that's, that's so you're obviously here with such an open heart and wanting to support others. Um, I want to end on this question, which has come in from, uh, from Mila saying, how far in advance do you need to book and how do you book? Great question. So five courses, eight courses, four nights a week. How busy are you? Quite busy at the moment. And uh, for all the private events, they are booked at least a month and a month and a half in advance. All other bookings are on the Splito app. That's where where you can find the mixed groups. Mm -hmm. And I have two events coming, very special ones for me, because it's the first time I'm hosting in the Valentine month. So on the 13th, you have the opportunity to come for an anti-Valentine's Day. (laughs) For those like me that did not believe in that, you can come, bring a secret gift, wrap secret gift, no more than 50 dirhams, and let me take care of that because it's a secret anti-Valentine. I love it. And on the second day, on the 14th, you have the uh, mixed groups where it's five females and five, five men that can come and listen, if you don't find love, you at least find a friend. <laughs> and a full tummy too. And a full tummy. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm, I think the app is the best way to book for those mixed groups. If you want to send me the word goose, or I think there is a goose emoji, there should be, um, then I will send you the links you can book. Chef, 
Thank you so, so much. I think you are such a true success story of Dubai. And I've got a very good feeling we're going to have more to talk about in the future because I can tell by the look in your eye, you're not, you're not done yet. Thank you so much for coming Thank in. Thank you so much for I'm going to have a little snack head. during the headlines. Remind me what they're called. Pastelitos. You say it so much nicer than I ever could. Chef Gabriella from Girl and the Goose. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're talking two of my favourite things now, travel and food. Stephanie's with us today. She's the founder of NARA. They are behind Desert Escapes, Sonara Camp, Secret City Tours, and now NARA in the city too. Stephanie, how are you? Hello, very good. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Can I ask where you're from and what brought you to the UAE? Well, I'm originally French and I grew up in Switzerland. I have both nationalities and I came in the UAE 13, 14 years ago. And I used to be a private banker, so that brought me here. Um, I was covering East Africa, and for me, it was much closer uh, traveling to Kenya, Tanzania from Dubai. Mm -hmm. But I very quickly stopped banking. (laughs) I can tell by your current job. Tell us a little bit about the gap you identified and how you wanted to address it yourself, which I think is an amazing thing to do. Thank you. No, six years ago, I had the idea, a new concept in the desert, And I created NARA Private Camp, which was initially just private uh, escapes. And the year after, I created Sonara Camp, which is a more, you know, open type of restaurant in the desert. And I felt that was missing in the UAE. I think you've just really undersold what Sonara is to say it's a restaurant in the desert. Come on, you have. I mean, take, take us there, Stephanie. Describe the space and the food, guest chefs, everything. It is an incredible experience, I must say. It, it is quite different than having a you know normal dinner in a restaurant because I think it's an experience you don't forget. You can go with your family, with your children, with your parents. Um, our youngest uh, customer was one month old. Our eldest was probably 90. So it's really for everybody. And it's kind of like enjoying the serenity of the desert, the beauty. On pictures, you don't see it, you know, and it's hard to describe. But when you're there, the atmosphere, the energy, you're really escaping the city. It's only half an hour away. And for us, the culinary side of Sonara and Nara are very, very important. So the idea is to have an amazing dinner, a very nice glass of bubbly, and um, to enjoy it with a lot of activities and a lot of entertainment that you can have in the desert, but a bit with a modern twist. It's very chic. Thank you. It is. Thank you very much. Um, what kind of activities have been popular with, with the clients? What are they enjoying? I think, you know, like a lot of clients um, have like to have fun in the desert, do the boogie drives or horse ride in the desert. We have the camels. Then we have lots of activities for the children because we really try to cater for the children to be busy so the parents can really enjoy their oh, evening. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have four kids, so oh I love gosh. to get rid of them as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just saying to your fair that my other job, um, I'm a wedding celebrant, so I perform wedding blessings. Oh, and I was wow. booked to come to Sonara. And then the day changed and I was on air, so I couldn't do it. But I was thinking, what an absolutely incredible place for a sunset wedding or a, it was a vow renewal, actually. I mean, well, I'm going to have to hire you to host my wedding if ah! I get married again. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I get married again. I will be there, Stephanie. Great. Um, and then from the dunes into the city. Yes. Tell us about wanting to bring some of that flavor to, you know, to Dubai itself. Yes. So, I mean, if you look at the logistics of Nara and Sonara, we're actually, you know, set up with a central kitchen in Alcos. And we now have, I think, 38 people working in the kitchen. So, 
I think when you come and enjoy the serenity of the desert, you don't see how difficult it is in the background. You're doing a good job if we've got no idea. <laughs> it's not easy at all cooking in the desert. You know, it's uh, quite an adventure and I need an adventurous chef mm -hmm. to do that. And I have Gregory Kilouf, who's amazing. I don't know if you remember, there was a very good uh, caterer in Dubai before COVID called Shechal. Yes. And Greg was the founder and executive oh, chef gosh. of Shechal. And so I've hired him now two years ago. And together we created Nara in the City, which we cater at home or also for companies anywhere you want in the city. It can be a small dinner, intimate dinner with private chef. And it can be, you know, for 500, 1,000 people. We did the Grand Prix of old cars uh, recently in December for the Grand Prix JPX, they call it. Um, so we can really tailor, you know, from smaller events to bigger events. So this is kind of responding, I guess, the clients need with a different offering. Um, I'm, I love food. I don't hate cooking. I don't enjoy it. You don't? No, I find it really stressful. So when Chef Gabriella before was talking about having you know, 25 people over for dinner, I was like, oh, that is my nightmare. <laughs> the thought of having even eight of my really good friends over fills me with total dread. I think if I had, you know, the house to myself, no kids, unlimited budget, could lock the door, I'd get into it. But that's never the case. I find cooking really stressful. And I think kitchen anxiety is something a lot of people have. Um, if you haven't just learned the, tr you know, learned the skills. So people can have their own home yes. and actually spend time with their guests. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going to say is that even if you do like cooking, it's not always easy to cook and at the same time to host mm -hmm. your guests. But what I wanted to do is something a little bit different than the normal caterer because... Um, as like Nara, I created, you know, with my children in mind, obviously the catering, I created it with being a hostess in mind. And so the first thing I've done is to create themes. And I think it's quite nice, you know, for ladies like us to, um, it's hard to have ideas for each dinner that you do. So I've created different themes where we have, for example, the island theme. And so the island theme, we come and we set up also all of your table decoration, the tableware, the glassware. The waiters also have like a little tropical touch. And all the food we serve, for example, will be served in a, in a pineapple or it'll be served in a coconut, in melon. So it's very colorful and obviously fun. very tasteful. What are the other themes? We have, for example, the Japanese theme. Uh, which is super nice because, you know, it's beautiful when you have the real Japanese tableware mm -hmm. to go um, with, your, with your food. And my chef has done training at Nobu. So we really have an amazing, amazing talent on the Japanese side. Uh, we also have the Mexican theme. And now we're creating also the Swiss theme because as I'm from Switzerland, oh, we can do like that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, doing a good fondue or good raclette is not that easy at all if you want to do it the right way. What about your secret tours? I know you guys have got some good contacts around Dubai. Um, when it comes yes. to introducing people to hidden gems, how are you, how are you putting those pieces together? Yes. Yeah, so again, you know, it's, I want to create you know, things that are touristic in Dubai but in a way that we do it, you know, a little bit back of the scene. Can I just say, not naff? Is that, <laughs> is that fair? I'm like a non-cringy tourist experience. Exactly. Okay. I exactly. can say it. It's safe for me to say. <laughs> then, I'm, then you're not slagging off any, any competitors. So, <laughs> so, so no, is it kind we, of curated? Or how would you do it? Yes. Yeah, so they're very bespoke. So first we really try to understand what the, the person would like to see and visit. And when you have family coming, it's quite nice. So... The most popular ones that we do is like an architectural tour. 
So I think this is what's incredible about Dubai is you see all these buildings, but behind each building, there's really a talented architect. So there's the story of that. You have the story of obviously the old Dubai, but we do it, you know, with a tour guide. She's amazing called Miriam. She works with me uh, full time and she's absolutely incredible. She's from Switzerland. She speaks several languages. But again, she, you know, shares her love of Dubai with mm -hmm. you. So there's lots of different tours. The fashion tour as well is fun. And fashion the, tour? And the food tour. Oh, back to the fashion. We're going yes. shopping. Where, where, where's on, where do you go? No, again, you know, like you can do a fashion tour and meet like uh, Emirati, Emirati uh, designers and see all the different shops that are not in the malls. I think it's so important that there's this idea of Dubai is not, you know, just the shiny the shiny side and absolutely I quite like don't get me wrong I enjoy the shiny side but when people are coming to think about you know, as you say architecture fashion yes. food going to the desert enjoying that serenity enjoying what I think is one of the most beautiful landscapes on earth with a, as you say a beautiful meal as well um, is there one place that we can go to find out about all of the experiences Stephanie yes no we do have our our website so you're no, you invited can say it. To, yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> you're our website is nara.ae, and there you can see all the different experiences that we're, we're hosting. But I have one little surprise if I have time. Yeah. So now I'm creating a new concept, which is coming up very soon, which is going to be the Dao by Sonara. So Ooh. get ready for that, because if you like having very good food, we're going to have very good food, but on a boat, as a restaurant, but on the canal. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Okay, watch this space, and it's N-A-R-A dot A-E. Or you can just send me the word, send me Nara, N-A-R-A, then you'll remember it. And I'll send you the link so you can find out more. Stephanie, congratulations on... Thank you. Thank a, you very, very such much. Such a beautiful, beautiful company and some concepts that I think may, really make memories for so, so many people. So you're doing a beautiful job. And yeah, the Dow sounds amazing. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are calling all foodies to mark their calendars the weekend of the 23rd to 25th of February. Taste of Dubai is back. It's bringing together top-notch restaurants, tasting sessions, cooking workshops, live music and some amazing chefs too, one of whom is in the studio. Fred Cathagrande of Smoking Beards is going to be at Taste of Dubai. He was crowned last year the UAE champion of live fire barbecue and later represented the UAE in the World Food Championships in Dallas, Texas, where he competed against barbecue legends from all over the world. How are you, chef? I'm very good, thank you, Helen. I love, nice being here. I love the name Smoking Beards because you've got a great one. Um, tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Where are you from? So, as you can judge by my accent, I am French. So, I grew up northeastern France in Alsace, in Strasbourg. And um, I always loved cooking. Uh, even as a child? Or even young? as a child, yeah. Because I, I was very attracted to the smells in the kitchen from my mom cooking, from my grandparents cooking. So, I think it, it left a, a trace, you know. Core memory made. What were ah. the smells that take you back to your childhood, chef? Uh, you know, it's it's mainly caramelized onions. Like there was a lot of that in, in a lot of the dishes and uh, the sauces. Uh, we have a lot of stews over there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it... Proper food. Proper food. Hearty. It's one thing to enjoy cooking. It's another thing to become a champion at it. Um, tell us about when you discovered the grill and your skills on the grill. What, what was that journey? Um, a, first of all, it was... It didn't start well. Let's put it this way. Um... In, in northeastern France, 
barbecuing is really more of a seasonal activity at best because of the weather, right? So, oh, I know. <laughs> um, especially back in the days. Now I think things are, are moving a little bit uh, in a different direction. But in 2008, I moved to the UAE. I had a backyard and I had, you know, sun the whole year. So I started barbecuing and I was not very good at it. Let's put it this way. Uh, uh, no, listen, you can't just say that. Any specific examples or disasters you'd like to share with the group? Well, there was there was several occasions, let's say, where I had friends over for a barbecue and it ended up with uh, ordering pizza. <laughs> okay, I hope it was good pizza. But you've learned your craft. I practiced a lot and I practiced again and I practiced more because um, especially in 2008, there were not a lot of online resources available to learn the craft. Mm. Uh, nowadays, you have a lot of excellent channels on YouTube. You have Instagram channels. You have barbecue classes in the UAE. Uh, which from, you do. Uh, which I do as well. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those are all opportunities for people to start getting into, uh, into the art of grilling and the art of smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not something that is trivial. But it is also not as difficult as what people would think it is. What are some of the common mistakes that you see people making when they're either prepping or cooking with barbecue specifically? Um, well, I will just go back to my own experience. You know, when Sometimes I look back at pictures of barbecues from 15 years ago. Uh, I wouldn't eat that. <laughs> so it starts with the right choice of meats. Uh, the quality of the product is absolutely uh, absolutely critical. And then there is the preparation, so the seasoning, the, the butchering, the cutting, the, the side dishes, the sauces, the spices, all of that comes into play. But then once you start really grilling on, on that day, on the, on, on the moment where the fire is, is heating up, this is really where most of the mistakes are made. And, and mastering the heat... That is enough heat, but not too much heat mm-hmm. for the dish that you're preparing. This is where things can go south very quickly. We're going to unpack a little bit more about how to be king or queen of the grill. If you've got any questions for Chef Fred, get in touch. Not only will you get his expert advice live on the show, but you'll automatically be into the draw to win brunch tomorrow at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature with a master chef, Salia Mahmoud Ahmed. Um, how can we, can, you're okay to answer some questions on the yeah, fly? Absolutely. All right, okay. Um, Ella says, what does Fred think of the big green eggs? Uh, it's, it's an excellent smoker. This is uh, the... Kamado? So Kamado is a type of smoker. Uh, it's ceramic. It's very thick walls and it keeps the heat absolutely beautifully. So if you have a long cook, uh, particularly if you're smoking some meat, it, it's an excellent device. They're very expensive. They're very expensive because they're very good. Usually, so, <laughs> <laughs> You pay peanuts, you get monkeys. You said for smoking there. Yeah. You grill, but you you smoke a, a, you know, a lot of food. So with something like the big green egg, for example... You can cook in it, right? But you you keep it down for the smoking. I'm sorry to ask yeah. the questions of a five-year-old, but I just need no, no, to understand. It, it's absolutely true. So, I mean, you can... So, when you grill, you grill on open fire, right? So, it's the, the heat of the flame or the heat of the, the coal or the wood that is uh, bringing the meat or the protein or whatever you put on the barbecue uh, to, to, to cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, in smoking, you have less heat but you cook for a longer period of time. So basically the, the chemical reaction in the food is the same, but it just takes a longer time to, to bring all those calories into, into the ingredients. 
Um, but in smoking, what is also very important is the amount of smoke you put around the food because this is what is going to uh, bring this, this you know, the bitterness of infu- the smoke. Infuse yeah. that flavor. Your voice is amazing, by the way. I'm just like, Thank I feel you. like you need to be doing some kind of bedtime story, barbecue podcast type thing. We've got plans for you, Fred. We've got plans. We're going to be coming to the text line next. Luke wants you to recommend a barbecue for a family of four who will realistically use it less than five times a year. Jamal's 22, just moved into his own place. is hosting his first barbecue next weekend for 10 people. Top tips to make sure the day runs smoothly. And I want to know about competitive cooking. We've got King of the Grill in the studio this afternoon, Chef Fred Casagrande of Smoking Beards. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are talking to the UAE champion of live fire barbecue 2023, Chef Fred Casagrande of Smoking Beards in the house wearing an incredible T-shirt. We're not on Facebook Live, but do you want to tell me what's on the front of your T-shirt? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of our, our merch and it says, never trust a skinny chef. Facts. Facts. You should be tasting all the time, <laughs> otherwise you're just not doing a good enough job. Um, the text lines are open if you've got any questions, whether it is you're a total novice at grilling or you want to perfect your craft. Um, I understand you're a spice mixologist. Yes, absolutely. What does this mean? Um so if I if I look at the way I got into um, into catering, into grilling more professionally, and into competitive cooking as well, it it really started with mixing rubs and and spices for the barbecue. So my first competition was in 2021 uh, in Dubai, and for the recipe I created a a rub. I didn't win the competition. But I started selling the rub because hey. everybody wanted it. Yeah? Play the long game. Yeah. Like, can, you, can you reveal? I'm not asking for quantities. I'm not asking for the recipe. But maybe some components. So this one, the original, is uh, salt and pepper, paprika, brown sugar, MSG. Oh, really? Yeah. What did, what's that secret sauce about? What does that do? S- so the MSG adds, uh, adds umami. Uh, and really, it, it's um, it's elevating the flavor profile of whatever you put it on, mm-hmm. and uh, it turned out absolutely fantastic. Works on almost everything, really? and uh, that that really worked for this recipe. You said this was the original, which leads me to think there are others in your repertoire. How yeah. how has that developed? So a year later, we developed a second one, which very creatively was named the number two. <laughs> It does have a name though now, so it's called the Southern Kiss, oh. and it's really based on uh, garlic, onion, and rosemary. So by Southern, I mean Southern of France mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the for the UAE Championship last year and for the World Food Championship, I developed a third one, which is uh, Cajun inspired. So it's really fiery. It's uh, black pepper, white pepper, cayenne pepper, and a lot of other things. Oh, so mysterious, Fred. Um, you mentioned the championship there. It's one thing, and we're going to come to the messages. Jamal's hosting his first barbecue soon. It's one thing to have friends over in you know, your back garden, enjoy some sun, enjoy some, you know, some beautiful food. It's another thing to be competing. What, what compelled you to enter? And what's, what, what have some of your experiences been like that you will never forget? But what compelled me to enter was my wife. Uh, so she said, you're competing. So what did I do? I competed, right? (laughs) Smart move. Smart move. (laughs) Um, but the, so it was one of the, uh, probably the first competition in, in, uh, in food sports in the UAE. 
And uh, I was not ready for it, to be honest, because, uh, you know, ego comes in the way and then you start resisting the feedback from the judges and then you start uh, being upset that you didn't win because you've put everything, your heart and everything in it. Um, but then along the way, you have to realize it is sports. And in sports, there's only one winner, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you progress. I progressed tremendously through the competitive cooking uh, because I had to up my game uh, to a level I've never expected to do before or I would probably never have done Uh, in my in my backyard. So the feedback was super motivating. Absolutely. Can I ask you what happens on a typical competition day in terms of what how many dishes you expected to produce? I always wonder on TV competitions where they're judging the food, how is it fair if the last person's food is going to be com cold compared to the first person? You know, all of these. Can, <coughs> I, can you take us behind the scenes? Frank? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, usually when there are several contestants, uh, you have a turn-in window. So they will tell you from 3 to 3.10, it's your turn to bring your plate to the judges. So you have to do some reverse planning to make sure that the moment you bring your dish to the judges is absolutely perfect. And uh, because you have a set time for the cook before the plating and the turning, then of course, you know, ev everything is time sensitive. Mm -hmm. Do you all have to cook the same thing? No, no. Ah, so it's like this is your time to shine. You bring your star dish, yeah. your your you know your rubs, whatever yeah. you think is going to be putting you as a, in a winning position. That's what, correct. So with the with the 2023 UA champion, which you are, what did you bring? So I the the dish that I created uh, had a story, right? Because the one of the themes. So every competition has a theme, either imposed ingredients or an imposed theme. This one was the, the culinary culture of North America, and you had to have a narrative. So being French, I inspired myself from Louisiana, hence the Cajun spices. And uh, I created a dish called Le Vieux Carré, which is the historic name of the center of New Orleans. And uh, it was basically strips of chicken breast and strips of outside skirt steak. Both are, there, are very thin mm -hmm. and, and flash grill very easily, coated with this, um, with this uh, Cajun spices. As a side dish, I created a makshu, which is a sweet corn stew from the, from the Cajun uh, culinary uh, culture. All of that is extremely spicy, extremely flavorful, and, uh, and very colorful as well. So you also have to please the eyes. And this is a dish that won this year. With the judging, do they give you immediate feedback or is it a kind of a subtle eat and then they squirrel away to, to talk about it? So th there are, depending on, on the competitions, there are different types of judging. Now, in, in the circuit of the World Food Championship, they use a concept called EAT, E-A-T. So it's execution, appearance and taste. So each uh, parameter of the dish has very strict criteria for judging. And then there is a panel of judges and it's basically the aggregate of all the scores that give you the that give you the, the final score of the dish. The dishes are not compared to each other. Mm -hmm. So each dish when they receive it, they will look at the appearance, they will taste it and they will look at the execution and how well it is uh, put together. So it's done on its own merits. On its own merits, yeah. Good. And you don't get immediate feedback. You get the feedback After Hours. the last one, uh, so it's a little bit nerve-wracking. That is torture. What yeah. was it like to win last year? Uh, it was completely unexpected because um, I, I actually I thought it was another competitor who was winning and I was already eyeing him and 
yeah. congratulating you, you and then you know yeah good for you and then my name came out I'm like what wow yeah and then going on to Dallas Texas my goodness for the world food championships I bet there were some characters there yeah I mean you know Taking barbecue competition to the land of barbecue yeah. is something that was... Uh, <laughs> You're like, I'm a Frenchman who lives in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they take this very seriously. Uh, I mean, like, first of like, all... Like nerdy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we, th- there are competitors over there who do that for a living. So they, wow. they participate in 100, 150 competitions per year. <gasps> Because there are, you know, prize dotations. So if you win the competition, you get five, ten thousand $10,000. And they make a living out of that. That's crazy. They bring their gear. You can see there is, you know, some serious money invested in, uh, in, in those uh, equipment. What an experience. Yeah. Joining us in studio, Fred Casagrande of Smoking Beards. We are taking your questions. Don't forget, if you send in a message asking Chef any questions, you automatically go into the draw to win brunch tomorrow morning with the winner of 2017 MasterChef at part of the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. Right. I like it. Tony's getting straight to business saying, great show as ever. I can get around the barbecue. However, the cleaning is a challenge. Any tips from the chef? It's so true. We have a lovely time and then you're like, oh, God. Just undermine all the enjoyment as you get the scour out. Come on, tips from the top. Um, first of all, don't be too clean. So it's okay if the if the grill stays black, uh, if, if there is a little bit of grim, because usually when the when the fire heats up, it, it burns most of the stuff away. Uh, what I do usually, very simply, as soon as I'm done with grilling, I uh, I scrub the, the grill immediately after, whilst it's still hot, mm-hmm. while I still have coal and, and embers at the bottom. It cleans a lot easier and makes the real cleaning a lot easier for the next morning. Okay. Tony, hope that helps. Great question. We've had messages about um, simple barbecue marinades. That's from Taru. Uh, Jamal is hosting his first barbecue. He's moved into his own place. Denny's asking, does Chef have any barbecue, sorry, vegetarian barbecue ideas that don't involve processed food? So no ready-made veg uh, veg burgers or sausages. Love this. Um, Frank wants to know the best value for money barbecue in the market. Luke's asking similar. They're not going to be grilling a lot. So what should a family of four have? This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Taste of Dubai is back. Uh, it's going to be in the beautiful setting at Skydive Sky Dubai. So super laid back atmosphere, live music, tasting sessions, top-notch restaurants represented, workshops. It's a weekend of the 23rd to 25th of February and some big name chefs as well, including the man in the hot seat right now, Chef Fred Casagrande of Smoking Barrels. He is the 2023 UAE champion of live fire barbecue and represented the UAE in Dallas, Texas at the World Food Championships. So what are you cooking at for Taste of Dubai? What's, what are you going to be doing there? And any, any recipes? What are we eating, Chef? So I'm, I'm going to be doing two workshops um, in, the, in the barbecue school over there. So we're going to be grilling with um, 24 people. Can I send my husband? Sure. Okay, perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, what we will be grilling together is a small tweak of the recipe I made for the finals in uh, Texas in November. So what was that? So it's called the Umami Fusion Sando. So it's a Japanese-inspired uh, sandwich. It's an open sandwich, so um, milk bread. Uh, bone marrow, 
Cajun spices, of course. Sold. Mm -hmm. Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> Ribeye, thick cut. And then on top of that, a butterflied shrimp that is grilled with wasabi butter. Oh my gosh. That sounds yeah. incredible. So workshops happening, that, that one. And then were you around to answer questions and things and hang out with people and... Have a absolutely. good chat. Yeah. Perfect. That's uh, going to be all the fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is your chance. You can ask Chef Fred a question on 4001 on the app or the WhatsApp. That will get you into the draw to win brunch for two tomorrow with a 2017 MasterChef winner as part of the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. So you need to be free tomorrow. Um, let's go to the text line. You're a popular man this afternoon. I think it's just a great chance to get some great advice, to be truthful. Um, Frank wants to know, what is the best value for money barbecue on the market? Um, you know, in all fairness, a barbecue is nothing but a container to keep your coal or your wood and a grill. So any anything will do. Um, can we name brands? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. So um, a very popular choice, which is also extremely affordable, is the, the Weber kettle grill um, because it's extremely simple and, you know, it works. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's just basically a... An, a small egg made of a uh, metal sheet. You put your coal in it, light it up, you put the grill on top of it, and it has a cover to maintain the, the temperature. That's it. We've got the mini one. We've got that little Smokey yeah. Joe guy that we take to the desert sometimes. But we're going camping this weekend, hopefully, she says, looking at the sky outside. <laughs> um, and we just have basically when we picked up on Beach Road from a grocery store, <laughs> just like, yeah. a, like a fire pit, to be honest. You know, you made it sound really simple there. You put your coals in, you light it up, you put your grill, the when do you know it's time to put the food on that grill, chef? Um, well, as a rule of thumb, it's when the flames are off. Well, you usually do not want to grill your meat on the flames. You want to grill your meat on the amber. The the heat is a lot a lot higher and and better quality, and it doesn't burn the outside of the of the meat. Mm -hmm. Okay, hope that helps. Right, Jamal. Love this question, saying, I'm 22, I've just moved into my own place, I'm having my first barbecue next weekend for around 10. Can you give me some top tips to ensure the day runs smoothly and any side suggestions too? All right, let's break it down. First of all, congratulations on your new place, Jamal. Let's break it down. Day going smoothly, how important is the prep? Things you can do in advance so you can actually spend some time with your guests. Yeah, so I mean, you're absolutely right. Prep is, is uh, <laughs> it's the most critical stuff because the more you plan in advance, the less you know, unknown can happen during, uh, during the cook. So first of all, Jamal, enjoy the day. Um, you always have the solution to uh, order some food if you mess it up. <laughs> and I think people, <laughs> people are coming to see you and celebrate you. They don't want you stressed, you know, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do a checklist, have all the accessories, The uh, you know, you don't want to be on the day and miss a tongue or a spatula or gloves. Don't, don't get yourself burned. Um, and I would say on the day, be patient. Uh, usually it's when you start rushing things that you take shortcuts and the result is never, never in your favor. Mm -hmm. Side ideas. You mentioned that beautiful spicy corn that you made, that Louisiana. Yeah. Um, what are kind of some, I guess, crowd pleasers for barbecue sides, Fred? Um, there are some very easy things to do. Uh, one of my go-to uh, side dishes is uh, potato wedges. So you just take a potato, you, you don't cook it beforehand or you can cook it if you don't have enough time during the day 
but that's usually if you have several barbecues, you can reserve that on one and give it the time that it deserves. <laughs> several barbecues. Oh, my goodness. You are, you are on another level. I love it. It's like a drum kit, I can imagine. <laughs> it, it, it starts looking like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you boil your potatoes beforehand, just, you know, wedge them, put some olive oil on it and then uh, put some spices on top of it. Mm. I would also encourage you to go to the Spinney's deli counter and getting some of their potato salad. Make your life even easier. Jamal, let us know how it goes. Um, Denny's been in touch on the WhatsApp saying, does Chef have any vegetarian barbecue ideas that don't involve processed food? So not ready-made veg um, sausages or burgers. I have to produce this tomorrow and a bit of a loss would be very grateful. Love this question. What comes to mind? Um, What comes to mind is veggies. Plain and simple. Skewers. And, uh, skewers or even, you know, I mean, in spinach they have some of those uh, the, the, the huge mushrooms. Oh, that's a good idea. So that's something that is, that is behaving very well on the grill as well. Uh, you need to be meticulous. So you need to remove it from the fire when, when it's time, before it burns or before it melts completely. But that can make a great alternative to, uh, to a patty in a burger, as an example. Cauliflower steak, eggplant. Cauliflower, um, the, the asparagus works very well as well on the grill. Uh, and w- w- you mentioned, you know, the alchemy of spices before. Would you treat yeah. vegetables any differently? No. Okay, there you go. Um, we had a message saying, are your spices available? Um, they will be relaunched officially mm-hmm. in February and they will be available in several places. So stay tuned. Okay, watch the space. Um, we've also had a message saying, where can we find you? That's a great question. So on, on Instagram, yeah. wh- what's the best place to find you, Chef? Uh, well, currently the best place to find me is Instagram or so on our website. So that's smokingbeards.com. Okay. Um, Taru is saying, what would you suggest as the simplest barbecue marinade? Okay, so for marinade, you have to differentiate two things. You have either the marinade, which is a sauce, which is a liquid, um, or you have uh, the dry rubs. I have a personal preference for dry rubs uh, just because I find it easier and, and less messy to, uh, to prepare and to organize. Um, a staple of Texas barbecue is the SPG. So SPG is very simple to do. It stands for salt, pepper, garlic, and it's exactly what it says. So it's, uh, you know, you can, you can tweak the quantities. I go for one, one, one. So same quantity of salt, same quantity of pepper and same quantity of garlic flakes works perfectly on a lot of things. Can't get more simple than that. Lastly, we've got 30 seconds left. Your news, your residency. Tell us. So I have started a partnership and I have a residency with JB's Gastropub in uh, Amouage Rotana in JBR, The Walk. Uh, so we started that on the 12th of Jan until end of March. And uh, if you're coming, there will be the, the kitchen team over there is cooking a special menu. Very cool. With a lineup of six dishes from Smoking Beards. Well, huge congratulations. Thank I mean, you. world domination already. Um, the spice is coming out. I think this is it's, it's an exciting, I mean, it's the perfect season for it. We'll definitely catch up in the future. But in the meantime, Chef, thank you so, so much. If you want details of Chef Fred, you can send me BBQ barbecue, send me a flame emoji, whatever you like. And is it okay? I'll share your Instagram. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was lovely. And I want that T-shirt. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.